The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you guys about the MLB Roto Baller Challenge, hosted by our friends at Fantrax on Fantrax.com. Fantrax is the most customizable free fantasy baseball platform in the industry, and that's why we're hosting over our 2022 Roto Baller Challenge over on Fantrax. If you want the greatest fantasy experiments, sign up for a free Roto Baller Challenge team today by going to rotoballer.com backslash challenge. All leagues are free to join, and you get to compete against Roto Baller writers and readers for a shot at $500 cash grand prize. All new Fantrax users get entered into a free giveaway to win a signed official MLB Wander Franco jersey. If you want to get entered to win a Wander Franco jersey and you're new to Fantrax, go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba and sign up for your free Fantrax account today. Once you have your Fantrax account, go to rotoballer.com backslash challenge to join the challenge league. But go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba to create your Fantrax account. Be entered to win a Wander Franco autographed jersey. But for now, welcome to Benched with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 454. We are going to talk some more news because there's tons of it here in baseball these days and give us our fantasy baseball twist to get you ready for the first big draft weekend of the fantasy baseball season. In order to do so, first-time guests of the show, really looking forward to talking to this gentleman. He writes for Fantrax.com, Rotowire.com, and many, many more places. You can find him on Twitter at Corbin underscore Young 21. Corbin, how we doing, man? Hey, Bubba. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad, good, uh... glad, you, glad you can make it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a long time coming, so I'm looking forward to it. But uh, before we get into all the goodies here, why don't you kind of plug what you got going on? I, I mentioned where they can find you, but kind of throw everything on. I know you can do football stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. I dabble with both fantasy football and baseball. Uh, right now, you know, primarily baseball stuff. And, uh, yeah, some work at Fantrax. I just started with Rotowire, doing some news, some player outlooks, and uh, one article. And so, yeah, just kind of getting started with them and uh, a little bit baseball stuff with fantasy data as well, but primarily with fan tracks and uh, Rotowire for now. Yeah, it's great. And yeah, we're going to talk about your first Rotowire article here at the end of the show because uh, it's awesome stuff. As usual, you go real deep in the, well, real, real deep. You do deep work into the data, but you make it understandable. That's why I don't say real deep. Like you do really, really good data work, but uh, even lame, uh, lame brains like myself can, can figure it out. So that uh, it is a very, very, appreciative thing but uh we're gonna like i said gonna talk about a lot of the, the news that has pe- taken place like over the weekend over the last few days since i basically last did a podcast on news hit the hit the big topics hit some just storylines in spring training because there's tons of those we're gonna kick things off with boston red sox signing trevor story like once correa took off story was the last big shortstop left and it was down to 
you know, Boston, maybe Houston, the Giants are in the mix and a few other teams, but Boston made sense. He's going to go play second base this year, which adds some multi-position eligibility. But what's your thoughts on uh, Trevor Story going to Boston? Because his ADP's jumped almost a full round right now. Yeah, yeah, I know. I love it. Uh, you know, like you talked about, he's kind of just one of those rare players that, uh, you know, probably could go like 30-20 with a tons of run RBI, you know, so rightfully so that ADP is going to shoot up there. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, obviously line of context a lot better, um, you know, even if the batting average takes a dip. I haven't totally looked into the the Babbitt Park factors for uh, Fenway or anything like that. But, yeah, I think some folks are worried about if story's going to run or not. That's kind of been like the narrative that's kind of popped around here lately. But, um, you know, it's obviously a small sample, but I kind of looked at uh, last last year's season under Alex Cora, so not including 2020, but uh, kind of where they ranked in stolen base rate. I mean, last year they were second to last uh, in stolen base rate, and then 2019 they're 21st, uh, and then 2018 they're first. So I mean, but I looked back at you know team contact wise, who was who was there in 2018, but that was like Ben Attendee, Best, Jackie Bradley, all kind of leading the Chargers. So I mean just kind of based on who they have right now, they might finish towards the bottom again, but uh, you know, I don't think it's, you know, I think Trevor story is probably going to give you at least 15 close to 20. If, you know, if not that assuming health. So. Yeah. I completely agree. I just kind of funny when I hear people saying, Oh, he's not going to run anymore and this and that it's like core is not running. As you kind of said, based on their kind of team build, they didn't really have a ton of guys to run. Like when Rafael Devers is getting close to 10 bags and that's pretty much all they got. And that just says a lot about the team. But now you have a player, Trevor Story, who can get you 15 to 20 bases, maybe 25 if he runs real hot. But I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm still, I'm still kind of thinking 15 to 20. And I think the power will be just fine. I know he's, people are like, oh, his batting average will be better because he hit so many balls off the monster. Center field's a big Babbitt section in, in Fenway. But, you know, Coors is a massive Babbitt park as well. So we'll see how that transitions. But I think Story's going to be just fine. I'm not too worried about it. And adding that multi-position eligibility is going to be really, really nice. It's like so many of the stud middle infielder is not going to play all over the diamond, which um, which makes it really, really nice when you're making your drafts this season. All right, let's go to Philadelphia. They made a couple splashes. They went and signed Nick Castellanos, which is a big move because I was kind of hesitant during draft season on Castellanos. Just, we've seen him in bad ballparks to hit in, really scuffle. When he's in great ballparks, he's an offensive machine. So not many better places than Philadelphia for Casty to go to. So what's your thoughts on Nick Castellanos to Philadelphia? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I love Nick Cassianos. Uh, I targeted him in TGFBI last year, and then again this year, and just was like, you know, I, I was thinking, like, worst-case scenario, if he goes back to a park like the Tiger, it's like he still can be pretty good. So I was like, I'm going to guess that's not where he's going to land. He's going to land on a, a team that's trying to win. So, uh, you know, I was just buying into that, and he's just a good hitter. I mean, you know, it's kind of like he doesn't have those steals, but, you know, it's okay. He's like that four-category contributor. Yeah, I'm with you, and it's. I feel kind of foolish because, like you said, he wasn't going back to Detroit, and I can't remember what sh- who who said it on what show, but uh, one very smart analyst said we should have all known better that majority of these players were going to sign in a beneficial location for them. Like we, we were all a lot of us, not we all, a lot of us were hesitant on certain players because we didn't know where they would land. But it's like Castellanos is not going to go sign a deal to go play somewhere that you know makes him not play well for his next deal to stink. Like that just doesn't make sense. So. It's a, it's a great landing spot, great offense, because now they add Kyle Schwarber to go right behind him. Like the projected lineup has like Schwarber at one. Um, you have like Hoskins, two, possibly. And then you have Harper and Casty and Rio Muto. It's awesome. So, what's your thoughts on Schwarber, who looks like the uh, full time DH for the Philadelphia Phillies? Yeah, it's so weird to see. Like, I mean, I obviously has the OBP skills, but projected bad leadoff, right? Yeah. For Schwarber. Uh, kind of like you're not traditional leadoff hitter there, um, but no, I mean he's just just a monster, you know. I mean he he was he was just totally dominant in that first half, kind of before the injury, um, you know, just a ton of. But you know, power still stick stuck around in this in post injury, uh, batting average went up a little bit when I looked at that. Uh, you know, I mean the home run for fly bar rate was up like three percent over the career average. So I mean even that regressed a little bit. He's going to be like a thirty plus home run bat. Um, hopefully he's healthy, you know, could be more. I mean, he could push 40 if he's healthy. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I love that a lot. Yeah. It's a big move. And it's just like you, you throw Schwarber in there. I, I mentioned you throw Casty in there and it's just got to bump up, you know, Hoskins value. Harper's already a first round or you got real Muto. They're all going to benefit tremendously from this offense. And it's kind of a trickle down effect. I guess if we had to point at one thing that might not be great is, uh, 
Gene Segura now, who was potentially going to lead off for the team, might be batting like sixth or seventh. So that's kind of a bummer. But uh, as a whole, I know it's been a, a weird topic of conversation on certain parts of Twitter. Where do you kind of rank this Phillies offense from a fantasy perspective out of like the one of the top offenses in fantasy? Yeah, I mean, I like it a lot. I mean, they obviously don't have a ton of stolen bases. So, like, yeah. if you're, I mean, it almost kind of reminds me of like, uh, like a little bit of the Yankees per se, where it's just like just a ton of power, ton of counting stats, uh, things like that. Um, but no, I, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like, I mean, I, I guess I would hate to be like a Reds or Ace fan, but, but I kind of like how these teams are like, you know what, uh, we're going to sign these kind of big names and just like, you know, and, and, and do that. So I, I know I like that a lot. Their offense is, pretty good but yeah gene segura kind of getting bumped down um but you know they could mess around the lineup oh, yeah. you know i mean segura's you know got some good ovp batting average skills too so they could kind of move things around as the season goes on so i completely agree with you i think it'll be a point where it's like okay schwarber's got his good ovp but he's not running he's clogging up the base paths like let's put gene back up here and put schwarber six like yeah. that's that's an easy move that would make actually a lot of sense so um, i wouldn't be shocked by that and i'd be a big fan of that for my early gene shares the minnesota twins like you mentioned the reds and the a's and in years past the twins kind of fit that mold not this year they're 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 aggressive they you know they already did the Sonny gray move they traded josh donaldson they're, they're they're making moves and now they just went and signed carlos correa to a lot of money a lot of money so like you get an improved defender at shortstop for this squad obviously we know the bat with carlos correa health is the issue What's your thoughts on Correa in Minnesota? Because I'm not really usually a Correa guy, so it doesn't really move the needle for me. But uh, some people absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not really a Correa Correa guy either. It's just kind of the health, and then you know it's you know usually in that middle infield or shortstop, you're looking for some guy that's going to get you some speed. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, 640 plate appearances, you know, most since 2016. Uh, I mean, you know, if 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 we're expecting another healthy season i mean we hope that but yeah i mean i guess if you just kind of plan other plan otherwise around steals it could be fine um you know assuming i don't think he's going to get kind of the same uh runs in rbi that he did last year just because the twins are not terrible but they're like pretty serviceable but yeah i, I was a little surprised with the carlos Correa move just because i like i mean last year they moved jose burrios and like some other guys and then i was like oh maybe they're just gonna tear it down and then it's like oh nope they brought in a whatever kind of falafel and a couple of guys for like one second and they traded back out so i mean maybe they're just you know trying to just patch some things up and hope that they can win with what they got. But no, I do like that for Sonny Gray, just from like a, you know, infield perspective of a good defender and stuff like that. Um, the other guys they have, are, I think a little more like fly ball pitchers, I think with Joe Ryan and guys like Bailey over. So I don't, I don't know how much yeah, that has to yeah. do there, but yeah. No, I'm with you. Like Sonny Gray will be the big benefactor here. We'll like, the, they'll get a little bump, but they are more fly ball pitchers, as you mentioned. And they're, they're still discussing potentially trading for like Frankie Montas or Sean Benaya, which would be, Pretty interesting as well. So the Twins are going for it, which is which is fun to see. And they're doing it different. They're doing it like in a small like, – because Correa's only a three-year deal. Like Sonny's got like two or three years left. So it's kind of a let's go for it for a year or two. If it doesn't work, we'll trade guys off and re- reload type thing. So it's fun to see these kind of uh, – I know there's no such thing as a small market team in baseball, but what we consider maybe a smaller market team making some splashes. So that's kind of, kind of fun to see for sure. The uh, Atlanta Braves, this one shocked me quite a bit because it felt like will smith did a great job last year 37 saves it was kind of his role if anything maybe they'd bring back craig kimbrell well they went and signed kenley jansen who i swore was going back to the dodgers so this is a big big move he's going to step right in the closers role for the defending world series champions what's your thoughts on kenley in atlanta yeah that was definitely surprising i can't say i've i've really targeted will smith at all but yeah i know there are a couple people that i know they're like i'm just drafting kenley because wherever he goes he's going to close um and yeah of course i had to go to a team that uh everybody was drafting will smith as the closer yeah. or the expected closer um i mean you know kenley's just a smart pitcher right like you just uh in terms of eliciting weak contact and stuff like i don't ever dig too deep into relievers you know closer just kind of like I, I let other people that do that that uh deep analysis there and kind of rely on what they got to say but yeah i mean the cutter is just that uh you know that pitch that just it's just gonna keep listening we contact there and it's you know he's just a smart guy so i mean yeah, if they give him the job i mean assuming health and stuff like that he should be just fine yeah it's it's, it's, a, it's a health thing the strikeouts continue to be there he's walking guys more but like you said that cutter's gonna do the cutter thing 
and he should have plenty of save chances there. So I kind of have him going over a role as Chapman in my book. I know some disagree with that, but uh, that's kind of the area he's going in drafts right now in, with, with those two kind of next to each other. So it'll be fun to see how that one goes. Uh, San Diego Padres, they made a big move. We know they want to get rid of Eric Hosmer. They couldn't do it, but they still brought in Luke Voigt, who had nowhere to go with the Yankees once Rizzo came back. So early reports, uh, Voigt will be the DH. He might play some first base when lefties are on the mound, but they're going to try to play him every day if they can. And that's a big if because he can't stay healthy. So what's your thoughts on Luke Voigt going to San Diego? Yeah, I know. I mean, they they definitely need some hitting depth, right? Like if you looked at the lineup uh, before Voigt, Without uh, Fernando Tatis, it looks it looks pretty awful, right? Outside of Manny Machado, there's so many question marks up and down that lineup with just some struggles. I mean, Jake Cronenworth is great, but you know it's like you need a little more depth than that. Um, no, I, I do like it a lot. Uh, you know, he's a he's a good hitter. He's got a good OBP skills. Um, you know, so I I mean, I, last I look at his ADP, I mean, it's probably before it probably hadn't jumped yet, but it was like in the you know, two two hundreds or two fifty, I thought. So I mean, if you drafted him there, you know, you, you just that's that's totally just he lucked out there and you know it's just kind of uh he's probably gonna jump at least probably top 200 i would guess at this point yeah i just uh, submitted an article for fan tracks the uh, adp risers due to transactions and since the day he um, was traded as of yesterday's on the 20 well, actually it's 21st adp um he had jumped 46 spots already so he's on the move that is for sure uh, and we know that the power is legit, which is crazy. But man, if he could just stay healthy, because I've I've written more Luke Voigt articles than I care to write ever again, I think. And um, the talent's tough to beat. But uh, stay healthy, kid. Please stay healthy. Yeah. Um, the Marlins—they've made a few moves this year. Also, Avisel Garcia. You know, they've made a couple here and there. Now they go and bring in Jorge Soler. This was kind of a surprise. They were trying to trade for Brian Reynolds, couldn't get that one worked out. So they went and got Jorge Soler. Again, not the best ballpark to hit him, but he's going to play right now, projected to play center field. That's where he's been playing all spring, which is interesting. And an article came out on Wednesday saying he, unless something goes wrong, should play most of the time in center field. So what's your thoughts on Jorge Soler in Miami, who uh, not the best ballparks, but it, there's not many ballparks that will contain Jorge Soler. Yeah, I was going to say that that par is going to play anywhere. Um, you know, I think uh, – whether there's some validity to this, he's pretty streaky. You know, if you kind of look at some of the rolling graphs, like I, I kind of remember back in 2019, you just like went on a tear in the second half. Uh, but if you look at some of the rolling graphs on fan graphs, like, I mean, basically the home run to fly ball, right? Just aligns with the wool book, like perfectly. Um, so, I mean, you know, just a small sample, but yeah, with Casey, he was, he was awful, you know, still hit the ball hard, but a little more contact, you know, a little more bad luck there. And he just, you know, dominated with Atlanta there. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure it's going to affect the power a little bit, um, but yeah, I mean, he's just got so much raw power. Uh, it's kind of like that Phillies offense is kind of like, uh, you know, where do all these guys play in the outfield? I mean, it's not as deep, but uh, I don't know. I thought, yeah, did you say, did you say who was going to play center field? Did you say obviously El Garcia was going to no, play? No, they say it's supposed to be Soler. That was the article oh. that came out today, which was kind of surprising to many. Okay. They want Soler there. They want Avi, I think, in one of the corners. And that leaves Jesus Sanchez, Brian De La Cruz, I think uh, even one other guy. That, that that is interesting. I, I thought Soler was like almost as bad as like yeah. Marcelo Zuna out there. So I'm not sure how that's gonna go. Yeah, no, it was very surprising. Let's put it that way. Mike Curlin does his uh his lineup takeaways, and he kept saying it's they're gonna play in center field. He's playing like every spring game in center field. I'm like, ah, there's no way, no way. And then he showed me an article that said center field. Now, if you look at roster resource, it still has Soler and left field it has Jesus Sanchez and a platoon in center field with Brian De La Cruz, and it has Avisel Garcia in right field. So that's where they're penciling. Like you got Garrett Cooper at DH. So we'll wait and see. They also have Jazz Chisholm Jr. Uh, platooning with John Birdie, which I don't see happening. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that one goes. Yeah. Uh, the, the Cubs. This, I'll give the Cubs a little credit because I think what they're doing is kind of Bush League because they have tons of money and they're buying a, a, um, a, a soccer team, for crying out loud. So they can't cry poor, but they are. And they, um, But they did sign Jonathan VR after they signed Seiya Suzuki. Uh, last week we talked about him already, but Jonathan VR is one of those guys that I was getting late in a lot of drafts just because usually he signs with a bad team with a guy needing to play enough with his utility skills. And next thing you know, if you look at his like career stats, double digit homers, double digit stolen bases almost every single season, he just finds ways to do it. Chicago should be a place where he'll get plenty of run here and there just because wisdom strikeout rates and others. What's your thoughts on VR in Chicago? 
Yeah, I, I kind of thought the same thing with VR. I, I wish I had kind of drafted him um, just kind of where he was at before he signed just because, yeah, he's, I mean, I, I didn't realize he played that that much last year, like five yeah. over 500 plate appearances. Like, I guess I kind of was like, oh, he's on the Mets and there's too many people in the infield. He's just that's never going to see time. But yeah, 18 and 14. Uh, yeah, and I think he's just a compiler, right? So you're just hoping that he's gonna, uh, but at that ADP, yeah, you're just hoping that he's gonna compile. Yeah, I think 15 homers, 20 on stolen bases is you know within reasonable, uh, you know, uh, reasonable projection for him. And so, yeah, I, I think that's that's fine. Yeah, I think that, and then yeah, with like wisdom and all these other guys, like that kind of popped up last year. I mean, he, yeah. VR can play all over the infield pretty much. I mean, I don't know if his defense is very good, but he's at least going to play all over the infield just because, you know, so. Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll give him a chance in the infield. He can play the outfield if they get desperate. Like, he's, he, they're going to plug him out there somewhere. But, like, Wisdom's got that great power. Everybody wants to see him. But uh, if you strike out, like, 45% of the time, eventually that that comes to an end also. Uh, shortstop with Nico Horner, second base with Nick Madrigal. They're, they're good, but they're going to need some breaks as well. So there's going to be time for Johnny VR and, I'm really intrigued with it because, like you mentioned, he accumulated over 500 plate appearances last year. And when you just look at uh, VR as a whole, I mentioned the double-digit homers and stolen bases. But the dude somehow, even though he technically doesn't have, like, a starting spot, like, when he starts the season, he still plays, like, I'm I'm pulling it up right now, at least, like, 100 – yeah, 130 – he's played 122 or more games in the last uh, five full seasons, not counting the short in 2020, where he played 52 of the 60. But uh, he finds ways to play games, which is hilarious to me. So, uh, yeah, Johnny VR, big fan of that situation. The Detroit Tigers, they made a few moves here and there. I love the Erod move way back when. But they brought in Michael Pineda. And it's, there's, there's a lot of pros and cons with Michael Pineda, probably more cons than pros. But he does go to a favorable atmosphere in Detroit. He's pitched in the Central before. Any intrigue for a guy like Pineda, like super deep leagues, or is just like, you know what, maybe I'll stream him from time to time. Yeah, he's only a streamer. I got a weird bias against Michael Pineda. Maybe it's a pine tar. Maybe it's being a former Mariners pitcher or something. But yeah, I think he only really goes about five innings. Um, he's really only got one decent pitch with the slider. Um, and it, the slider's like, okay, like it's it's good, but it's not like, you know, just like, it's not like Luis Castillo's changeup or something where just so dominant kind of that he can get away with it. Um, so, I mean, he's okay. Four-seamer kind of stinks, but yeah, he's just a streamer. I mean, you're probably just hoping that you're looking at a good matchup, pitching at home kind of thing or something. So, Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's just, uh, man, he, he showed so much potential at one time, but then I guess the pine tar kind of took that potential away. Maybe we found out why there was potential there. He was just too dumb to even hide it properly. But uh, we'll see how that plays out. Another kind of weird move, but we've seen him be fantasy viable from time to time is Drew Smiley signing with the Cubs. I've always been very hesitant to Drew Smiley, but there's some very smart people that like love what Drew Smiley can bring to the table. So are you in or out on Drew Smiley with the Cubs? Um, I'm out. This is one that when you put it on the rundown, I like kind of miss this move. <laughs> like I didn't I don't even recall this move popping up. Um, you know, I'm just out because uh, I mean it's just you know, small sample. I mean, he was good in 2020, right? With like 26 innings with the Giants. Um, a lot of injuries. Um, I mean, pitch movement's pretty good. I, you know, I hadn't really looked at Drew Smiley too deeply for today, but uh, yeah, I mean, pitch movement's pretty good on the cutter and four seamer. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, he'll probably get a chance to start. I mean, I haven't looked at the Cubs starting rotation, but he's probably got a chance to start there with what Marcus Stroman and Kyle Hendricks leading that charger. Yeah, I know it's. It's not very deep when you look at the roster resources: Stroman, Hendricks, Wade Miley, Alec Mills, Drew Smiley. That's where we're at. So going to be some rough rough days uh, in Chicago this season. Uh, the Red Sox, this is just a minor one, uh, Hansel Robles. But I just wanted to bring him up because he had his chances to close last year. Matt Barnes is kind of the guy for now, but that's how it was last year. Um, in your super deep leagues, uh, is there any interest in taking a flyer on a guy like Hansel Robles? There's just kind of a in-season situation for him. I mean, maybe. Um, I not not really. I mean, unless it's like, yeah, like a DC or something where the, you know, you're just looking to hopefully get something late in the draft. But yeah, I'm I'm kinda in on a Matt Barnes bounce back. Yeah. Um, just kinda I think right where it kind of fell off, he kinda had COVID in August and you know, I, I kinda believe in the small sample of the K minus V and chase rate and stuff like that. And so um I you know, I think he'll be Barnes will be kind of fired up to kinda 
prove that it wasn't just a short little thing there, but yeah, I, I like Barnes as well. I like, he, he's, I think he's a great value in drafts right now because he's going to get that first start and barring something going horribly wrong. He should hold on to that job for quite a while. So I like Matt Barnes quite a bit. Uh, the Dodgers, they signed Tyler Anderson again, not the flashiest move, but they have some injury history in that rotation. He's projected to be the fifth starter right now, which is kind of surprising. Any interest on Anderson on the Dodgers? Yeah, yeah, I watch him a little closer uh, when he got traded over the Mariners. Um, I mean, he's not, yeah, he's not super sexy or anything, right? He's kind of a got some decent ratios. He's kind of a command control guy, pitch to contact profile, uh, limits the walks, and you know, I mean, outside of I guess he kind of got had some injuries, I guess, but you know, he he had a pretty decent amount of innings. Um, but again, upside isn't there. Um, but you know, who knows? The Dodgers could unlock something, but yeah, I think he's probably just gonna feel kind of like a spot start here and there. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, if you're gonna trust any organization to help with pitching, I guess it's gonna be one of those teams is gonna be the Dodgers. So, um, yeah, probably a floor play, but nothing, not too much upside. I'm with you there. Like he's he's intriguing, like for the floor, like you mentioned, but uh, he's not gonna wow your socks off at all. But we got breaking news. It dropped about ten minutes ago, and this opened up MLB trade rumors. And I've been waiting for this man to sign because I have so many shares of this individual. And this is a great location to sign in. The Reds have signed Tommy Pham to a one-year deal. Um, we know Pham had a down year last year, but if you look at the deeper stats, at least for me, there was a lot to still like there. Um, projections still love him for double-digit homers and power. He's going super cheap in drafts. Uh, what's your thoughts on Tommy Pham hitting the Cincinnati and Great American Small Park? I mean, he's another guy that just needs to stay healthy, you know, just, I mean, he's going to provide par and speed. No, I, I like that a lot. Yeah, that's probably a good. Uh, um, and then I think they needed, I think he's, isn't, I think Fab's a pretty good defender. I'm not pointing up here. He's not I bad. Mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, like they kind of needed a, a, someone out there. Um, no, I like that a lot. That's, that's, that's good. That's great. And, uh, you know, cause I think last year he was kind of, what outside of injuries, he's a little like, not platoon, but he was. They're kind of shifting some guys around a lot. So, yeah, if he gets full time playing time when healthy, yeah, you should feel confident just kind of rolling him out there. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped on that one because even Yancey Eaton, who's a big Tommy Fam guy, he was tweeting out the other day. He's like, "Can someone please sign him so I feel better about all the times I've drafted him?" And I was kind of thinking the same thing. And you know, roster resource obviously it's early. They haven't projected to hit six, play left field full time for the Reds uh, with India Naquin, Votto, Stevenson, Mustaka sitting in front of him. So. Pretty good move, actually. I, I, I can kind of get behind that one. Again, kind of like the, the joke I made with Castellanos, fam signed in a favorable location, a one-year deal, so we can try to maybe get a two- or three-year deal next year before he retires. This is a, a really good move. I like this one quite a bit. All right, let's talk about some more news that has taken place here over the last few days. Shane Baz of the Tampa Bay Rays, popular young arm that people are, are swooning over because the stuff is really, really electric, but uh, there's always been some innings concerns and whatnot. He shut down at least two to three weeks now, which is really going to curtail some fantasy value. So what's your thoughts on Shane Baz for the 2022 fantasy baseball season? Yeah, I was never into him. Um, yeah, just I have no shares either. Based, yeah, just kind of based on that ADP, you know, too small of a sample. Um, you know, uh, I mean, you know, he could be he could be Alec Manola of 2021, you know, where you just whenever he's ready, he's ready. Um, yeah, I mean, he showed us a small sample, you know, two couple really good breaking pitches. Um, you know, I, I really liked Corey Kluber and Drew Rasmussen and Luis Pitino, so that probably solidifies the role a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I wasn't really actively targeting him at all, uh, just because that ADP was just a little too rich um, for a guy with such a small sample. Yeah, I'm with you there. Like, I was like, okay, yeah, he's really good, but he's going super high. Probably not going to throw a ton of innings again this year. Lots of question marks. Like, why am I drafting him here again? So I'm, a, I'm 100% with you. Like, I always say, if I'm wrong on a guy, I'm okay being wrong on a guy. And he's one of those, like, if he would have knocked everybody's socks off this year, kudos, thumbs up. But uh, I wasn't going to have any shares at all. Uh, Luis Urias of the Milwaukee Brewers, he was a popular uh, target with his multi-position eligibility. Quad injury, supposed to be out a few days. Hopefully he's okay, but already banged up at the end of the season. Uh, what's your thoughts on Urias this year? Yeah, this one hurts a lot. Uh, I don't I don't think I've drafted him yet. I only have a couple teams drafted, but – yeah, he was a target of mine, uh, just especially that multi-eligibility. Um, you know, there were some changes in the profile that I kind of liked, you know, looking at him in the offseason. Um, but, yeah, I don't – I mean, 
the Brewers don't really have that much depth. So I, I'm not really sure who's going to like really benefit a lot outside of just like a, and only maybe a deeply streamer, you know, maybe Jace Peterson, Mike, uh, maybe the Rays guy, uh, Mike Brasso kind of platoons there. Um, I really like Kesson here for a bounce back, but I don't know how he's going to fit in there with that injury. Like, I don't know who's going to move over to third, you know, or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if Adamus moves over, you know, I just, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, I don't know. I mean, in theory, maybe Adamus moves over somewhere, Colton Long, but yeah, it just seems like they don't have much exciting fantasy depth, you know, that would make me be like, yes, here's get the next man up kind of thing. Yeah. Right now they have Jace Peterson and Brosu, uh, platooning which yeah is going to be a tough one peterson had his moments last year though i'll say that much so hopefully it's not too serious but uh keston is uh he changed his stance there's some some optimism there i know you're not the only one that's hoping for that bounce back i'm a big rowdy Velez fan so they're gonna he'll cut into rowdy's time which would be a bummer but uh this team's got some talent so if we get some keston hero action going i'm not gonna hate that one at all uh, the Washington Nationals, Carter Keboom, out four to six weeks. Might not have been a fantasy target for anyone, but what it does do brings back the ghost of Mikel Franco. Um, any interest in Mikel Franco, even in the deepest of leagues? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I do some Rotowire news, and yeah, that was one of the things that popped up. was like, Mikel Franco could earn more playing time. And I was like, man, where has this guy been? You know, just exactly. kind of bouncing around. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, he's just going to be for a power bat. Um, I mean, I think he's got to make the team. I think he's NRI right now, but uh, I mean, I don't even know how to say that guy's name. That used to be on the Twins here, Adrianza. I mean, when I looked at his profile, it doesn't look like anything fantasy, you know, special at all. Um, yeah, I mean, Michael Franco might be like a cheap power bat if you're looking for that. Um, but I'd probably just wait and see there and look elsewhere, really. I'd say like in 15 team leagues, in all only leagues, he's at least intriguing. We've seen him even when he doesn't hit for a good average, like with the Orioles recently, obviously with the Phillies, he's got ridiculous power. So by no means am I saying run out and draft him, but I'd at least have him on your radar now type situation. Cause if he sneaks into every day at bats there, you know, the top, the, the overall team's not going to be great, but the top part of the lineup is going to be at least pretty good. And that could make uh, some nice RBI opportunities for Mikhail Franco. A few more here, Jose Barrero. Big uh, Cincinnati prospect at shortstop. People were looking forward to seeing him uh, break with the team. Now he's about at least six weeks with a hamate injury. Means Kyle Farmer's back at shortstop. So any thoughts on the uh, Barrero Farmer shortstop situation in Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't too into Barrero, um, but yeah, that probably just solidifies Farmer's spot there. Um, I thought he had more eligibility, but maybe that was last year for Farmer. I mean, he's just he's just a farmer. Kyle Farmer just a kind of a boring accumulator. You know, he's serviceable in fifteen team leagues, but he's not gonna, you know, pop off the page or anything. So, I mean, he's a he's an accumulator, so he's fine to kind of have your MI spot or something. Yeah, most definitely. I'm with you on that one. Sticking with the Reds, Lucas Sims will not be ready for opening day. I think I guys like Luis Sessa and Art Warren and others. If you had to try to draft a closer in Cincinnati, who would you be looking at? Um, probably Art Warren. Um, I was kind of avoiding this uh, bullpen here because it was super frustrating last year with Heath Hembry and Michael Givens leading the team with eight, and there was like a bunch of players with six or seven saves. Um, especially when they traded away Mary Garrett, I just was like, all right, it's going to be someone else, you know. Um, but Art Warren's, you know, got a pretty pretty good slider, and that's you know. If I'm looking for a reliever, you know, I'll look for a dominant pitch like that with a 25 over 25% swinging strike rate, you know, 47% chase rate, uh, you know, 123 Woba. So uh, I haven't drafted Art Warren anywhere, but if he would be the one guy, especially because he's going like pretty late, if I recall. Yeah, he's going very, very late. So I, I'm with you on Art Warren. It's kind of stinks because in DCs, he's one of my later targets thinking, okay, we'll stash him. But now it's like people are kind of wising up to that situation. So. Uh, that would be the route I would go as well. Mitch Keller. I know you've tweeted some stuff on Mitch Keller. You even wrote some stuff on Mitch Keller. We saw the videos in the offseason about the velocity increase and how he's kind of using his repertoire a little differently. And, you know, people are like, oh, it's just a video. Well, he came out in that first spring start and looked pretty darn good. Looked really good before it hit with a line drive. He's supposedly fine, set to make his next appearance here in spring. Um, what's your thoughts on Keller this year? You know, the prospect pedigree is there. Maybe a little tweak's all it's going to take. Yeah, no, I did like Keller a lot, kind of research him. Um, I threw him in one of like kind of my last kind of like dart throw, 
kind of Freddie Peralta type breakout guys. Um, and yeah, there are people being like, Mitch Keller sucks. Uh, <laughs> gross. But, you know, uh, we do this a lot, right? It's like I try to remember that, like, we can't look at what pa- what this pitcher did and just be like, that's what he's going to be being, moving forward. Um, I mean, if you look at him, it's just, uh, you know, former pros- top prospect, you know, struggled hard. Um, so I kind of want to see what went wrong. I mean, you look at the, you know, just kind of surface stuff of like the Babbitt left on base rate. It was just kind of awful, you know, so, you know, 385 Babbitt, you know, so it's like if, if that kind of regresses there, some of the ratios are going to even out. Um, he never really had a home run problem. You know, he kind of limited some of the home runs. Um, so I kind of I kind of like that. Um, I, I kind of was one time earlier on, I was tweeting like, I think the pitch mix needs to change, like maybe. I didn't know what to what, but uh, Rob Silver was like, what is he going to increase? Like everything sucks. And, you know, I mean, he was just kind of like, yeah. he was just kind of like half joking, but like, you know, I mean, that was a good point, right? It's like, we say like, Oh, this should change. And it's like, well, to what, like, what is it going to change you? Um, so, I mean, uh, you know, like uh, the slider was like the only pitch that was like pretty good. <laughs> so I was like, maybe this one, you know, it's just like, um, so, I mean, he has two good breaking pitches. Um, and yeah. And then right after I kind of um, posted that article, someone sent me the tweet of the tread athletics things. And I was like, yes, validation. Yeah. But um, yeah. so, uh, you know, but you know, one of the videos I was looking at um, with the coach from tread athletics, he was using some of the Svan data and some of their technology and they're comparing uh, Mitch Keller's stuff to Garrett Cole's stuff. Now that's yeah. not to say that Keller is going to turn to Garrett Cole. All it's saying is that kind of the movement profile and, you know, kind of the shape of the pitches kind of looked similar. Um, you know, uh, so I, I, I kind of like that narrative kind of backing up what I was already kind of looking at. Um, so hopefully that translates into results. Um, you know, Velo's up, uh, you know, I, I it's kind of like, you know, I kind of joked about like best shape of your life, right? If, if there's someone that is just awful or just not playing well or something, and they're going to like make some actionable changes, like go train and figure something out, you know, so then I'm going to kind of buy into that. Um, or like Vlad Guerrero, you know, I didn't get any Vlad Guerrero, but, you know, we look at Vlad Guerrero and we're like, man, yeah, I guess he could benefit from having better body composition. That'd probably help his baseball skills. And, you know, and it's like, so those kind of things, I think, you know, I, I we don't want to buy into every kind of hype video, but if there's something that kind of makes sense, I kind of just go, okay, well, look, if the research says this and that just adds to it. So, yeah, I'm hundred percent with you. And that's why the Keller one, I kind of was, a, I wasn't annoyed, but I was like, everyone's writing it off so fast. And I'm like, this guy used to be like had the signs being really good. Like I'm not going to say like you said he's not going to be Garrett Cole, but he had some flashes of like some really good stuff. And we've said it with so many pitchers when they make a pitch mix change or a velocity change or something. All of a sudden, look at here they are. So what was stopping him? Like what? What? Why were you just discounting this because he was so bad? We'll see. It was one spring start. A lot can change still, but uh, I'm very happy with what we saw. It sounds like you're very happy with what we saw. Do you have Have you drafted Mitch Keller anymore? Oh yeah, the two the two fifteen teams teams I've had TGFBI and this other uh, like relegation draft that we do. I did, yeah, Mitch Keller and Jesus Lazardo, the two guys that I just been like nonstop just making sure I get out there. Um, yeah, Lazardo was another guy that I put out there, and somebody was like, "He sucks." I'm like, "Well, yeah, he has sucked," but okay. you know, what what are you expecting from Lazardo this year? Because yeah, that last start was great to finish the season, plus his first start in spring, we saw the velocity up. Um, what, what are your kind of expectations for Lizardo? Yeah. Um, so I, I think although it didn't translate into results, he did make a pitch mix change when he was with the Marlins. Um, and so it didn't translate to results, but I kind of like that. And, you know, the Marlins have been good about just kind of like developing some change-ups with like Sandy Alcantara and stuff like that. And so kind of assuming that the change-ups going to also improve plus the breaking pitch is pretty good you know, lower that fastball usage a little bit and just kind of, you know, uh, another year of development there. I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm in. And so, yeah, he's another guy just like Mitch Keller, right? It's like results are bad, but if we look a little deeper there, the stuff's really good. Um, and so that's, that's kind of when I was leaning at basically. Well, that's what it's all about is finding those late guys in drafts that can take that, that take that turn that all of a sudden you're getting massive value out of them. And you could at least see it with those two guys potentially. And if, like I always say, if it doesn't work, you drop them. It didn't cost you anything. So it's, it's a good place to be. Luis Castillo, shoulders kind of flaring up. There's been some mixed reports the last couple of days, but there's a chance 
he could be back in a couple weeks. There's a chance he could miss the first month of the season. There's already jokes that means, oh, no cold weather baseball, then he's fine. Um, what's your thoughts on Luis Castillo, who was kind of a, a draft day bugaboo for many this year? Yeah, I think I was trying to look at what it was. Um, and I think it's a shoulder soreness, so whatever that is, right? Like yeah. before, I used to be like, oh, says shoulder. We don't want anything to do with this. But I've kind of been realizing that, you know, um, you know, if it, not all shoulder injuries are the same, right? So I think, um, you know, who knows? Shoulder soreness could be that there's some fatigue from wrapping up too quickly or some other reasons, you know. Um, so I wouldn't panic, especially because his ADP is probably what the lowest it's ever been in, in his two to three year career, past two to three years or so. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily panic, but I, I you know, I, um, I, you know, I would be looking elsewhere if you're really worried about it. I mean, just because if you're worried about kind of last year, the skills, you know, it's kind of like with some of these other pitchers, like it's like, uh, do you think that they're trending down or was this just a down year? So, I mean, you know, career worst whip last year, K minus BB was awful, you know, career worst strikeout rate or near career worst strikeout rate. Um, you know, change it wasn't as great. So, I mean, if you're kind of thinking he's going to bounce back, then probably a great value there around pick 100. But so I wouldn't panic if you drafted him. I would just kind of be like monitoring what's going on there and hopefully he doesn't. It's nothing too serious. Yeah, it's been kind of one of my discussion points lately with Luis Castillo. Was like, yes, it wasn't great last year, uh, and yes, you can't take out a month of the season or even two months. But after that, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball in the grand scheme of things, and he was going so early last season in drafts. And like, like you said, now he's like pick one hundred. Are we quote unquote punishing him too much when it comes to draft day? Like, we know he's still very, very good. There's always been whip whip concerns with Castillo with between walks. Bad defense behind him because he's a heavy ground ball guy. But the strikeouts are legit. He can have some monster games. So it's it's, it's kind of a, a running dialogue in my head when it comes to draft day. Like, okay, pick 100-ish, give or take. is a It's a fun spot, but do I still want to take that pick? And that's the, the conundrum I have every time I draft. Um, Jazz Chisholm, minor injury, should be back this weekend. Teoscar Hernandez, minor wrist injury, should be back this weekend. Any other spring standouts that have kind of uh, or any kind of stat lines, velocity changes, anything standing out to you this spring that uh, you want to talk about? Um, not a ton, you know. Like to be honest, there's just so much news of players that like I haven't even been able to <laughs> keep track of it all. It seems like every day there's like 50 new things that I need to keep track of. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think in terms of notable spring training, uh, you know, I, I, I'm always like hesitant to see like what, you know, I, I don't know what we really, we should be paying attention to. I mean, Joe Adele has been getting some buzz, um, but Joe Adele's kind of already got, you know, he's not got a super late ADP, but he's got a, you know, late enough for it's kind of worth the gamble there. Um, no, I think the only guy, um, that I realized that I wasn't even on my radar, but should have been, but I didn't know he was healthy was, uh, CJ Abrams. I mean, I don't think he's going to be up right away, but the dude is just mashing. And, um, you know, not to say, not to say we don't, you know, Fernando Tatis is going to be injured, you know, for super, you know, longer than we want, but you know, this guy's one of their top prospects. I think he tore his ACL or something, or he hurt his knee last year or something. But yeah, if this guy's ready to go, I mean, he might. The Padres have shown, you know, they'll they'll call up this guy, you know, earlier. But I don't know. He's just a name to monitor. Yeah, and if he's playing well, they can just bring Tatis back to the outfield. That's not a problem either. So that that is definitely something to monitor. Mackenzie Gore had another solid solid outing for the Padres on uh, Wednesday, so he's something to monitor as well. Looks really good. Um, there's been some interesting things like Julio Julio Rodriguez for your Seattle Mariners mm-hmm. appears appears to be starting out the team. Are you a believer in that? Um, I'm, I'm a skeptical Mariners fan. So, um, you know, when, when the team is bad for two decades, uh, <laughs> you kind of get a little pessimistic. Um, but I'm excited about the future for sure. Um, I think they've kind of been, um, and you know, James Anderson has kind of noted this, but I think they've kind of been a little more careful with Julio Rodriguez. Like he, they're kind of moving him slowly, um, I think he was up in Everett in single A for a little too long. And, you know, so I don't even think he's touched triple A yet. So uh, it seems like they're being a little extra careful with him. Um, so he sh- should debut in 2022. But, you know, I don't, I don't know what they're doing there. Yeah, no, I can. Uh, I'm, I'm torn on him because he's been so good. Some people are like, oh, yeah, he's going to play, going to play. But I'm kind of also with you where it's 
they've never shown they're willing to do this really. Like even the clinic thing last year, why, why would we think it's different for Julio? But uh, we'll see. How do you feel about your Mariners? You know, you got Mitch Hanniger, like fantasy wise, Mitch Hanniger was there off a big year. You got, you know, Winkers in town and some other Ty France. Like any guys really interest you there? Yeah. I mean, I love Eugenio Suarez for a bounce back. Um, and that was like pre-trade. Um, yeah, I, I like what they're doing here. Um, I think they hope they can get maybe one more pitcher, um, you know, because they're going to get kind of thin there. If Marco Gonzalez or Flexin or one of these guys doesn't, you know, do as well, then you're stuck with like Robbie Ray and Gilbert kind of leading that rotation there. Um, I like the offense, so we'll kind of see how that shakes out. But, yeah. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun for sure. Uh, let's check out your first article at rotowire.com, a place where I've told Jeff and the others I've been a member since I was in college, so well over 15 years, almost 20 years now. Um, three potential hitter values. Uh, what were you looking for when you were looking for the, these three bats? Like what uh, what kind of your criteria? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, was, I was talking to Clay about just kind of an idea, just kind of these um, – when I kind of put together kind of my spreadsheet of like um, – player values and ADP and just different things. And I could try to look at all that. And these three hitters were hitters that kept popping up uh, like green on my spreadsheet of like, you know, peered values. Um, and I was like, well, you know, I, I, I really love Hunter Dozier. I just can't quit Hunter Dozier. So <laughs> it gave me an opportunity yeah, to, all, <laughs> gave me an opportunity to write about Hunter Dozier um, so again, you know, whether you believe in, you know, projections, basically it's like projections versus ADP is what I kind of looked at there and just kind of like, you know, there's seemingly values there. Um, so, you know, but also the trend with these three hitters was I looked at their 2019 season and, uh, you know, maybe 2019's outlier for, you know, t- at least two of them and, uh, Christian Walker and Hunter Dozier. Um, so it just, it would, that's kind of how it started. It's just like looking at some projection auction values kind of versus ADP and finding, quote values um yeah no, and i i love the values because all three of those guys i've been looking and enjoying later in drafts like well, manny is just can he can he play regularly enough i guess is the question with tampa bay if he can he's gonna be very productive dozier i get sucked into him all the time i i know exactly what you're talking about you look at the the, the contact rates you look at this that and the other and you're just like he should be so much better than this he really should be so yeah i'm, I'm with you there yeah, and with like Dozier, especially with Dozier and uh, Walker, like those are two guys that I'm like injury or COVID, like right around that time after that, they weren't they're were awful. So I'm just you know kind of chalking it up to some of that, or at least to me, there's some like injury related things that could have impact. I think for Walker's like oblique or something. So I, to me, it was like, well, you know, maybe 2019 was outlier, but also there's some reasonable reasons for struggles there. Yeah, most definitely, I'm, I'm with you. It'll be fun to see if they can bounce back, and they are all great values over there in your, in your draft rooms. Um, you don't have to give it all away, but what's cooking next between Rotowire and Fantrax? What's your next article you got coming up? Um, if I have time, I might do another one of these uh, Valley pieces here. Um, but uh, yeah, still haven't figured out what I'm doing in season quite yet. Uh, I'll be honest, for a couple weeks here, I was a little burnt out from, I think, some of the lockout stuff and just like, you know, grinding out content up into the off season and then kind of hit a halt here. So kind of been moving a little slower here trying to kind of get my feet under me and re- reassess i don't blame you i don't blame you sometimes it's good to take a step back and just uh, kind of take a deep breath because it can be overwhelming there's so much going on so much content that could be pushed out all kinds of fun stuff like that uh we do have one listener question and it's more of a joke question than anything but brian i mean bjorn masterson uh, basically says what do you I'll, I'll i'll get rid of the bs what do you expect from Seiya Suzuki this year? Um, he's been someone that I haven't drafted um, just because I, it's kind of one of those things where if I don't know a ton about somebody, like, you know, I hear all these things, but yeah, if I haven't seen a ton, you know, I guess I live on fan graphs and baseball so on. So I can't see a ton of that or someone can't, you know, someone I don't know doesn't get some live, you know, looks at them that it's kind of hard to assess, um, you know, but Based on what we know, I mean, power's there, OBP skills, batting average skills. I think it's probably a positive that he lands with the Cubs because he'll should get a full run at playing time there, or at least there's at least there's you know opportunity there, right? It would be kind of a bummer if it was like Hassan came last year, where he kind of comes into a situation where the it's a little crowded and playing time's kind of sporadic. So 
I'm not sure what to expect, but I, you know, I'm hopefully he won't be a guy that I'm like, oh man, I miss out. Well, what are you, what are your, you mentioned House on Kim? What are your thoughts on him this year? Because he might actually have a path to playing time now. Um, you know, coming a year ago, uh, like I would, Dave Swan was really into, uh, you know, buddy that I always chat with on him. He's really into Hassan Kim. And, you know, I think this, the bat to ball skills are there. I think it's just seeing if that power develops, you know, he's another guy with some really good plate skills. Um, so we'll see how that translates over. I mean, in theory, he should accumulate, you know, double digit home runs, double digit steals, but, uh, I don't know. He's probably going to bat towards the bottom of the lineup. So I don't know how much the counting stats are going to be there. Um, so you're hoping the batting average and plate skills kind of come back closer to what it was in the KBO. But um, again, small sample in 2021, but that would be something to monitor is like, how does the plate discipline shake out? Um, and can he, you know, hit the ball hard enough to make that matter? So, yeah, no, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because. Now that he's got the time, can't he be the guy type situation? So that'll be kind of fun to check out. But uh, on that note, Corbin, I'm going to wrap things up. Um, thanks for joining me. Before we head on out of here, why don't you once again plug everything, let people know where they can find you, any other nuggets you got for the fantasy baseball season. Yeah, thanks a lot, Bubba. Thanks for having me on. Uh, good chat with you. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Corbin underscore Young 21. Uh, Mostly fantasy baseball stuff is going to be at Fantrax and Rotowire. Uh, so, yeah, I'll probably have a weekly article coming out uh, once the season gets going here and maybe one more before this big draft weekend. But, uh, yeah, other than that, it's just kind of be focusing on those final drafts that we all have to right before opening day. So that, that's where you can find us. It's going to be here quickly. It's crazy. The lockout was just like ten, like a week to ten days ago, and here we are ready to start the season here in like two more weeks. So. <laughs> It's flying by in a hurry, so take your breather, get ready, because it's going to be a full go here again. But uh, Corbin, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to doing this again sometime. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Everybody, check him out again on Twitter at Corbin underscore Young 21. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 454. Catch you guys next time. Mm -hmm.